Don't say we don't educate you. What is up and welcome back to the Mo Video Games Podcast, where we talk about not a lot of video games, but we talk about a lot of Mo, if you know what I'm saying. Oh my goodness, baby girl. So, what do we got this week? That's a great question. Well, Maxwell literally just murders everyone for no reason, verbally, an onslaught, an absolute terror. And then we continue the top 16 showdown. Sadly, the uh, review of the Google Pixel and Windows 11 from me, still not coming. We don't even know when it's coming. We've had this thing planned for like eight years now because I upgraded a long time ago. So either way, I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and intro. Branch chain amino acids, baby. Saw that one coming. Oh, that was just a scoot around the corner right there. Scoot, scoot, and a doodly doot. Do that. That crazy? I don't know. I never know if levels are good. But we're leveling. Leveling yep. up and leveling down. And welcome to the Mo Video Games Podcast. Yum. What? Red Robin? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, welcome to the Mo Video Games Podcast. Yum. I'm one of your hosts, Maxwell Lewis Gaming. And this is my dear friend. Dumbass. McGilligan. Full name. Required every time. Exactly. Just like my full name is Maxwell Lewis Gaming. Um, but Maxwell Lewis Gaming and uh, Dumbass McGilligan. I already forgot my last name. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's because you're a dumbass. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, we got another soundtrack episode here for you today, folks. We're in the top eight. As you may have heard last time, for those of you who are returning listeners, uh, shit's getting intense. Um, we're going camping every day, all day. And uh, we got some tech news. We got some games we've been playing. And I'm about to shit over a bunch of people. So stay tuned. If you like, If you like Salty Maxwell... Now's the time. It's about to be like that circus fire last weekend. You heard about it. The what? The circus fire. The the circus fire? Yeah, it was intense. I I don't know why I didn't didn't <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> you are so confused. Alright, perfect. Yep. And intense. There's not even alcohol involved right now. I'm just, I'm the dumbass. Uh, McGilligan. <laughs> uh, but as always, we can start off with the games that we have been playing. As always, I'm curious to hear if Oliver has changed things up. I know the answer to this question, but I'm curious if he knows. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yes, you have. Yeah, I played uh, Blasphemous again last night, and the game still sucks, so... <laughs> uh yeah it's uh interesting going back through it and being a little bit off of the hype train in relativity but Mm -hmm. i would still say the game smacks so i'm still (laughs) fucking right so it doesn't matter but there is there is some stuff that are like uh some of the stuff that annoyed me more on my first playthrough is annoying me less 
And some of the stuff that did annoy me on my first playthrough is annoying me more. So it's just oh. it's been it's been interesting. Like some of the mobs are just like forgettable, and I'm just like, whatever. Uh, but that's a pretty small gripe. But then a lot of the rest of it is like, maybe it's just because I know the systems now, and I didn't know the systems on my first playthrough. But yeah, like little shit is definitely way less frustrating. Like the spikes at the bottom, it's fucking annoying when you you land on spikes. You have to go all the way back to your last fucking checkpoint. That shit's annoying. There's no zero zero margin for error with the spiky boys. But yeah, for some reason, I guess I've just been fucking up less. So it's been less annoying. So the difficulty feels. I feel better about it now on my after playing new game plus on what the difficulty is. But my first playthrough, I thought it was way too easy. Hmm. But now it's like it doesn't seem atrocious relative to new game plus which is weird that when I played them back to back, I thought the gap was larger, but maybe I'll play new game plus after this and be like, I suck. <laughs> so yeah, but it's been good. I'm excited to go back through it. I'm excited to listen to Carlos's work. We love Carlos in this household. So yeah, except um, for last week, which I pretty much already said that I'm going to revive Carlos. I got a fucking <laughs> CPR kit in the fucking back ready for Carlos's name fucking on it. Um, but I didn't say that out loud. And we don't even know what game is going to get replaced by. If it does, just in a theoretical sense, we just wouldn't we wouldn't know any of the above. So, um, yeah, the bad clash tournament this weekend that went about as good as you would always expect. So, yep, that was great. We well, won, won the, the first, lost the second, won the third. For the first one, yeah, I think. The second one, we lost the first, and I got, I got obliterated. I just couldn't do anything. It was just, it was, I was diffed, and then um, some members on my team were getting a little frustrated, and I felt like the diffing was coming on from multiple angles towards me. <laughs> uh, but it is what it is, and you know what? I, as I always play the role of, just blame me just easier that way so except an all blame right here come on you stubbed your toe you know who to blame it's me <laughs> yeah i mean you didn't warn them so it is yeah, your fault exactly exactly so yeah it was it was it was all right definitely got a little uncomfortable the second night there's some some heated emotion but past that it was good which normally when that happens i'm like <laughs> do we need to be this mad <laughs> but Here's an interesting question for you. So, is League of Legends a game or is it a sport? Mm. And it's, I mean, I, there technically exists a world where both could be true, but what, what, what is it more of? If we're treating esports fully at equal odds with sports, right, in this question, and just assuming that they garner the same relative intensity, you know, right? Like, if you're saying esports aren't fucking real because they're games, then I would say it's a game. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely more of... I, I just don't see how you play the game and it's not somewhat competitive just it's you're literally going against other people trying to win like clash for sure is just a fucking sport there's just nothing about it that's not sporty and like 
you know, teammates get mad at each other. <laughs> For example, <laughs> like, it just feels like a fucking team environment, right? Like I'm trying to call shots. Uh, you know, one of the other members trying to call shots too. Like it just all is very like, it's way too coordinated, I think, to be like, just viewed as a video game i mean i would definitely say both first and foremost but if i had the label one it especially lately it's felt a lot more sporty mostly because i'm only playing for like clash but at the same time it's like the only times it feels like gamey is if i'm like just like chilling on a friday night with a couple beers and hanging out with people and like not caring right but yeah i think that's a fair distinction yeah yeah, it just gets it, it it really lets people get unnecessarily fucking sweaty. Um or maybe not unnecessarily, but it lets people get really fucking sweaty and heated about it. Not a big deal. Like it's not I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, I mean like I felt fucking uncomfortable this last Sunday when people were mad at each other because there was just like you are viewing this wrong and then they were like, No, you're viewing this wrong. Full on fucking, I mean, it wasn't like yelling, you know, but like people were, people were fucking pissed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a video game. (laughs) But yeah, maybe my, uh, my just competitive drive is low or maybe I don't care enough. Who knows? I like winning. Don't get me wrong, but I be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't enjoy that. That's how I feel. But there is a line where it's just like. I don't think everything needs fixed right away, I guess. It's like we're always going to be the same relative level of mediocre that we are at the game, right? So it's like challenger, never happening for any of us, most likely. <laughs> no one's going to be in like the top one per- or 0.1%, so maybe. Not me. I know that. Not me. <laughs> yeah, it's just I think the level of dedication and time you need to have to it, I think, is too great. Yeah, I mean, like, once I got to, like, top 10%, I was like, I'm good. Better than 90% of the player base. We take that. Take those dubs when you get them. That's that's not bad. That big. Yeah, but much higher than that, meh. We'll see. I've had no motivation to grind any rank at all, though, so. Um, Feels good, though. Yeah. Feels good to, yeah, not not just not yeah i mean from my experience from hearing from you what solo queue grinding is like it sounds awful so it's not great (laughs) (laughs) but it has some it has some perks like when you grind solo queue with other people that are grinding solo queue unlimited things to talk about because you can just bitch about you have four of your own teammates and five people on the other team you could just fucking bitch forever i mean nine people a game to bitch about it's unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) so yeah what have you been playing let me tell you if you can't tell they're both behind me as they have been um because physical media is the future uh but I do have to say the steelbooks are pretty dope. Um, but I have been playing both Horizon Forbidden West and Gran Turismo 7. So uh, Gran Turismo 7 came out Friday. Uh, this previous Friday was March 4th, I believe, if my dates are correct. Um, and yeah, so I guess let's start with Gran Turismo 7 because that's the new one. So the the problem with 
physical media if you're pre-ordering the future the future yeah the one the one issue with it um is if you pre-order it and let's say for example you have a day off of work um you won't get it until it gets there in the mail probably at the end of the day so people who have pre-ordered digital copies of games can preload and have it ready to go effectively at midnight on the day of release um so that's kind of a bummer but what made it even harder is the way Gran Turismo 7 is set up to install from the disc, it takes an excruciatingly long time for some reason. Um, so I like Horizon Forbidden West, both similar size games, both PS5 like made software. So it should be good to go. Horizon Forbidden West took probably for sure less than an hour um, to get like all the updates downloaded and it installed off the disc. Gran Turismo 7 I popped in um, and let it sit because I had some other stuff to do for a few hours. I come back and it's like it's not even to the point where it's like ready to play where it's just installed the first level of content. I was like, wow, that's kind of bizarre. So I turned the console off and I was going to take it out to the TV um, because I had it in here. I was like, I'll be close to the router. I'm going to play it on the TV anyway. Um, And then I pop it back in. Oh, it looks like it's going faster now, the install. But then it slows back down. And I mean, it's saying it's going to be like three or four hours uh, to completion, but it just it doesn't seem to be making progress and moving. So literally, I, I got the disc probably around four o'clock and it, I did not get it fully installed until probably around midnight. There is Classic. apparently a workaround where you uh, delete like if you've already started the install, delete any progress, delete it from it, then take your console offline then put in the disk to install so that apparently there's some issue with how it's like trying to simultaneously download like update files and stuff and install from the disk at the same time because the the problem with physical media these days is they typically don't always have like the full game on there and they for sure don't have like day one patches and updates and stuff like that so there's a lot of content that usually needs to get downloaded even if you have a physical disk um and so that seemed to be the issue so if you take it offline it'll upload or install pretty quickly off the disk and then you put it back online download the update so that's apparently a workaround um something to keep in mind for anyone but that was kind of frustrating i basically couldn't play it on friday um at all so that was disappointing but i did play it after it installed um and i got another complaint about the game the game and i've granted i've been spoiled with Forza and Forza is on the opposite end of the spectrum with how they like handle progression in the game. Forza is basically you open up the game and they're like, you can do fucking anything you want. You can do everything in the game and it is super easy to get money and collect cars. Like it's, there's no like progression in the game. It's just go have fun. Gran Turismo 7 on the other hand is like, ooh, everything is really fucking expensive and it's going to you're going to be working to earn this stuff and it's going to feel good as a result. Like there's actual progression which I do like. I I like both aspects and Forza being an arcade game or Forza Horizon I should say, being an arcade game. It's nice that you get all this stuff right away. Um but Gran Turismo 7 being a more sim game they're going for a lot more realism, so I get it. But they they block off so many features of the game until you progress like three hours in the story. So I wanted to um, 
play co-op, like couch co-op with my wife. And you can't do that until you've played the campaign for three to four hours and progressed a certain amount. It's like as you're playing through, they'll unlock the, oh, this is where you can upgrade cars. And oh, now you've unlocked the driver's license center. And oh, now you've unlocked this and you've unlocked that and stuff. So um, yeah, that was that was annoying for me. You know, <laughs> but uh, Gran Turismo 7 is a lot of fun. Once you have it all unlocked, they have massively upgraded the physics simulation. Um, it drives much better. Gran Turismo Sport, the, the previous one on the PS4, it still felt pretty artificial compared to other like driving simulators that I've played like uh, Project Cars and um, even Forza Motorsport and stuff like that. It, it still felt a little video gamey for being the real driving simulator being the slogan of Gran Turismo didn't really feel like that before it feels much more like that now that's really great obviously on the PS5 4k 60 frames per second and the visuals are massively upgraded it looks fantastic drives great but it's it's Gran Turismo at the end of the day there's really not much to say about it they didn't like there's a bunch of tracks and you're racing on the tracks but it's not like there's no like crazy story because it's a driving simulator. And that's that. Yeah, that's a crazy story right there. A crazy story. Um, there's a lot of realism. I think it's it is cool to be on the opposite spectrum of Forza Horizon. I think it looks absolutely incredible. It's really fun to play. Um, but there's not much more to say about it. You know, Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, my God, this game just continues to just make me so happy. I so the, my, my biggest complaint I talked about last week was the, the open world fatigue where there's a lot of icons on the map. Um, so you, you feel at least I feel this like obligation to like see what they are and you feel like you, you should go check out what those things are. Um, whereas Elden Ring on the flip side uh, actually like just has no icons, So it feels like you're actually exploring and and discovering these things on your own um but that being said the side content is it's fucking great i just like keep instead of like i really want to know what happens in the story because the story is really cool and compelling but i keep being like oh that side quest sounds really cool and every time i do them i'm like wow i'm glad i did that um so they definitely have upped their game on side quests uh in in the game uh, it still looks graphically fantastic, plays amazing. Uh, you keep getting new abilities and stuff like that. Really fun. Like I said, the tall necks are an absolute joy. Um, yeah. Honestly, the, the human AI, as long as you're not doing stealth, super fun to play against. But like I said, the, the human AI and stealth, stealth bad. Su- super easy to cheese. Yeah, robot stealth, good. Human stealth, bad. That's, that's basically awesome. my biggest gripe. And, and too many icons on the map. Everything else about it? Perfect. Exactly. 10 out of 10. Um, which brings me um, into tech news. I won't, I won't do full salt um, right away. But I will say uh, Horizon. Uh, it, uh, games are just released, so there's a lot of updates going on. Um, Horizon just got an update recently so you in horizon you have something called your stash and that's effectively you only have so much inventory room but instead of basically not allowing you to pick things up when you pick it up and your inventory is full it goes to your stash magically it's just 
suspension of disbelief, whatever. Um, but it goes there. But Aloy would constantly say, oh, I can pick that up in my stash later. Or, oh, I'm going to send this in my stash. Like every time you would pick something up that was full. And it's very easy to fill, like especially early on when you're not getting like resource upgrades for your pouches and stuff like that. You're fucking sending everything to your stash. And she would constantly be fucking talking about the stash. And I'm like, I get it, Aloy. The stash. Um, it, this isn't something I thought about until I saw that they patched it so that she would stop saying it all the time. And I was like, you know, she was saying that a lot. Um, so it's not something that's like super annoying, but clearly a lot of people were happy they patched it. So I think it annoyed some people, but I thought that was kind of fun. GTA 5 is coming to next gen consoles, specifically the PS5. I think it, it's probably also coming to Xbox Series X. There might be a timed exclusivity for the next gen version. Um, but it should be March 15th. Here's a list of what they have added. 4K, 60 frames per second. Ray tracing. Better textures. 3D audio. Haptics on the DualSense. Adaptive triggers. And most importantly, faster loading. Um, there's going to be three modes. Fidelity, which is 30 frames per second at native 4K with ray tracing enabled. Performance, which is 60 frames per second with an upscaled 4K, no ray tracing. And then there's performance ray tracing, which I think is the best thing to come. And I, I want to credit Insomniac Games for creating this with uh, Spider-Man, um, but it's a 60 frames per second with ray tracing enabled. Um, it just... it some some visual settings like it's not full-blown ray tracing but you get some of it and maybe a slightly lower resolution but you're still getting 60 frames per second um i think that's the the way it should be um if you are a playstation plus subscriber um you get gta online for free which is now a standalone thing uh because it's such its, its own big thing um and it's free to keep uh for the first three months of the, the game releasing, uh, you can pick it up on PlayStation Plus. You'll keep it forever, but for three months, you can take advantage of that. Um, and PS5 owners get 4 million credits to start out in GTA Online. So, yay, next-gen version. Supposedly, you can pick up, if you're like on a PS5, you can pick up the PS5 version for $10, um, supposedly. I'm honestly pretty tempted uh, because... Because I'm dumb, basically. I haven't played GTA 5 in, I don't know, two years, three years? But $10. I would guess I would have still been in your area when you played it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Meet local singles in your area. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like I said, I'm tempted, but I don't know. Realistically, I got too many other games to play, so. Don't do it, dude. Okay, you've convinced me. They've put this fucking game on literally everything from a potato to the fucking rocket ship going to fucking, I don't know, Mars Falls the second. <laughs> this shit's on too many things. Stop the GTA 5 spread. This is like, if this was like a STD, this would be like, you know, like CDC is now like, <laughs> we got to make a statement because this shit's everywhere. <laughs> It really is. And uh, uh, the good news is that Rockstar's officially announced they're working on a sequel to GTA 5. Thank um, God. So in the next decade, 
Well, there might be something other. Century. Yeah. <laughs> By the time the PS6 and the Xbox Teen. Series X2 uh, comes out, because who knows what series fucking M. naming convention. Ooh. Wait, Series M? What, is that 100 or is that 1,000? Is L 100? No, I think you're right. I, hmm. No, M, M's 100. Is it? Or is M a million? <laughs> uh, I got a page on Roman numerals. Nope. <laughs> uh, C. C is 100. D is 500. M is 1,000. So the Xbox Series C is coming out. Two. <laughs> don't say we don't educate you. That's true. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, who knows what they'll call it, but that's probably when we'll see GTA 6. Anyway, now it's time to destroy careers. Uh, Elden Ring. We've talked about it. We talked about how the performance is poo-poo. And I mentioned how PS5 owners have the option to get the PS4 version and play it on the PS5 and get a stable 60 frames per second. Um, And that is the only way to get a stable 60 frames per second, unless you drop settings massively on the PC um, and like have low settings and stuff. So PC, so PC, (laughs) PC usually superior in, in most ways. Um, but for console, you for sure cannot get 60 frames per second unless you have a PS5 and play the PS4 version. Um, so Digital Foundry found a way. So I, I mentioned how with smart delivery, um, the Xbox would not, you would not, you would have to play the series version because smart delivery de- detects what console you're playing on and serves up that version of the game. A cool feature. I still love the feature. I wish Sony had something like that. But as a result, you can't play a previous version, except. Digital Foundry found a way. And here is the instructions. First, you go offline on your Xbox. Then you turn off auto update. Then you purchase the disc version of the Xbox One version of Elden Ring and install it while your console is offline. Then you go online. Smart delivery will be enabled and be like, hey, do you want to upgrade? You say, no. Then you turn your console offline again. Boom. Now you can play the Xbox One X version on your Series X console. But here's the plot twist. Performance is worse than quality mode on the Series X. Um, you're still getting 30 to 40 frames per second. And here's the really interesting reason as to why. So there is the game engine that From Software uses on PC, you can actually see it. It's like an auto-detect quality. And so we talk about dynamic resolution, or we have before, and that's basically in order to maintain a stable frame rate, the, the resolution that's output will reduce to make sure you, you keep a high frame rate and then go back up when it feels it has bandwidth. What From Software is doing is it does this with quality and visual settings. Um to maximize the the visual settings. But it's weird because there's no frame rate cap. So there's not necessarily a frame rate target it's going for. So that I don't fucking understand. Um, But basically, even though you're playing the Xbox One X version on the Series X, it is increasing 
ambient occlusion and shadow quality and level of detail and all of these other settings and like boosting them up like crazy. So you still have shit performance <laughs> um, on the Xbox Series console. Um, and this, oh, they also found that it is targeting a 4K resolution. Like it is trying to get 4K. And this is where my real salt is going to start. Um, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The resolution race is the fucking dumbest marketing ploy in video game industry. Like, nobody fucking cares if a game outputs in native fucking 4K. That adds effectively zero value to the gaming experience, especially if it means you are not going to hit 60 frames per second as a result. Um, like, we have seen companies have massive success with checkerboard resolutions and upscaling and having ray tracing at the same time with 60 frames per second. So the fact that you would shoot for a native 4K as your selling point over anything else like visual quality or a frame rate is just fucking absurd. Um, thoughts? Oliver. Surprised you're saying it, but that's that. I know. It's, it is it is a little bit of change of tune for me. And I think it might be surprising to some people because I do value the visuals in a game, but I, I value the the visual quality and the frame rate over the resolution. Resolution is dumb. Like I a a 1080p full ultra settings um, at 60 frames per second is a massively better and more beautiful experience than like a lower medium settings at 4K. Like. You're just seeing in greater detail what you're missing effectively. It's like what what you're getting at 4K. I, I think resolution is, is fucking dumb. I think I think 60 frames per second should be the number one target. It is. And it's interesting because I've seen a lot of arguments of people being like, oh, console gamers played at 30 frames per second for so long. And now all of a sudden they can't go back to 30 frames per second. And it's like. Yeah, once you see how good it can be, yeah, of course you're not going to fucking go back to it. Just because I put up with bullshit before, it doesn't mean that when I get better that I want to go or like we'll deal with fucking bullshit in the past. We should improve. I don't think, well, I don't know. I guess it's been a long time since I've gamed at 30 FIPS, but I do not think 30 FIPS for most games matters. Ooh, spicy all. take. Not feel like not that spicy of a take. If you're playing offline, I just feel like 30 FIPS I don't think if I played Last of Us Part 2 at 60 FIPS, I would be like, oh my god. That fight sequence? 60 FPS? <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I just, like, I mean, even the jump, okay, like, I feel like I've noticed the jump between 60 to 144, um, but even then, I don't know. I, I think, sure, like, 60 for, like, shooter titles, or if you're gonna play online, um, or maybe even like maybe if you're playing, I don't know, just something fucking fast paced. But I feel like a lot of single player games are not that fast paced and they really don't need to be at 60 FIPS, especially with the standard lately being like, let's make movie games, not <laughs> uh, game games, you know, like uh, like, yeah, maybe 30 FIPS for like dead cells would suck ass or some roguelike where you're just like McCann hounding your way through the fucking game. But 
Yeah, for most like shooters and stuff like that, nah, me fucking getting an extra, what, one sixtieth of a second response time to fucking flick my AR 1728. I've already forgot fucking name of anything. Um, <laughs> AR 15, there we go. I can name a singular gun. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. You see how fast my. I can't even fix the name of the gun in two seconds. So why would me aiming my gun <laughs> one sixtieth of a second any faster? Um, but yeah, uh, I do think that everything else you said is like spot on, though. And it is all pretty bougie. And it's disappointing. But I'm playing Sekiro Shadows Dice twice before I, <laughs> before I play Elden Ring. So hopefully by then it's good. I don't know why I got this accent. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't have high hopes because Bloodborne was never a stable uh, frame rate uh, for its entire life on PS4. So... Um, I didn't notice too many bad things when I played uh Born. Yeah, it's because I think they did have a 30 FPS cap option. Um but they they That's never That's another thing. I don't get why there's no cap. That's just fucking stupid. Forever and always. Do not leave your shit uncapped. Unless if you're playing League of Legends on like a fucking 3080, sure, leave that shit uncapped all day, right? But like, if you're on any normal hardware, why the fuck are you leaving it uncapped? There's just no fucking point. Especially when your monitor is only gonna fucking refresh at like 60 hertz for most people. So like, what the fuck do you even fucking care? So, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna get spicy this podcast. Um... Yeah, to to your point, I for me it's not a performance thing. Like sure there there is an argument to be made that your timing and stuff can improve with 60 frames per second over 30 frames per second. But for me, it is it is especially going back and forth between 30 frames per second and 60 frames per second, it is a stark and startling difference. The game the game looks broken when you play when you're playing at 60 frames per second you go to 30 frames per second, something feels wrong. Now, that's not to say if you if the game was only in 30 frames per second you booted it up that you wouldn't become accustomed to it and be okay playing it. That, that that's not what I'm saying. Obviously 30 frames per second is an acceptable frame rate to play a game at, but it is not nearly as good in my opinion as 60 frames per second. So when when you're sacrificing that, when you could have that, but instead you chose a native 4K resolution, that's that's my problem. Like if a game, if they're choosing to just make it like Last of Us Part Two is a great example. And this was last gen when everything was 30 frames per second. But that game looked freaking gorgeous. Um, And so when you're upping all of this visual density and quality and stuff for 30 frames per second, I can understand. But if you're doing it in the name of resolution, that's where I have a problem. And so maybe that's my biggest argument. So I think your your counterpoint helped fine tune my point. It's really the resolution race needs to die. I'm watching 30 versus 60 FIPS right now at 144 FIPS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, most games, I would not care. Interesting. At all. Uh, CSGO? That one looks like it would be fucking annoying to play at 30 frames. I mean, maybe not terrible, but. Yeah, a lot of these. But the other thing is like. Uh, I don't know. Some of these games like they're showing. What was the first one they did? Assassin's Creed Origins. 
Like, I can tell it looks crunchier, but there's just so much shit going on that I'm looking at that has nothing to fucking do with the frame rate, right? I'm looking at, like, how they designed the street, the shit that they put around the street to design it, like, the character models and the modeling of everything. It's just, like, the, yeah, the smoothness of the fucking frames I just don't think matters for a, a lot of this shit. And I feel like, if anything, you could make maybe an argument that frame rate for, like, Dark Souls, maybe maybe it would be more important because you got to get those parry timers fucking to the T. Everyone fucking knows when that dude winds the sword up, you just got to know when it's going to come down. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> like, that's on you. Shit, it's so fucking, <laughs> so fucking hard, right? It's just like the difficulty is just learning the pattern, but like they telegraph literally every attack in that game. If they don't telegraph the attack, the community is in a fucking revolt. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, it, I guess uh, I'll refine my point further in that, like I said, if you if you start a game in 30 frames per second, you're only playing it in 30 frames per second, you're, you're adapting to that, and I think that's fine. Like, I mean, I, we literally did play an entire console generation where effectively every major title was 30 frames per second. Um, but Mario if, Kart's 25, right? Like uh, N64 gen? Yeah. And we but, got through Mario Kart just fine. <laughs> But if you play at 60 frames per second in a game and get used to it, and then you try to switch it to 30 frames per second, I guarantee you will dislike how it feels. Now, that's yeah, not saying that, you, you can't adapt, but that, that, that's, that's my litmus for like the objectivity of why 60 frames per second is better than 30 frames per second. It's not an argument that 30 frames per second is unacceptable, but 60 frames per second is better. Uh, all other things being equal, if you were going to play at 30 frames per second oh, or 60 well, frames sure. per second. Yeah, if you're going to just say it like that, then yeah. And I do I do agree that it is noticeable, but the margin is, for a lot of games, pretty small. But the, the, the margin of what you would sacrifice to get 60 frames per second is just as small, if not smaller. And, and that's, I guess, also my other argument is like you could, the gameplay experience, what you're doing as the player could be improved for what you would barely notice visually different in the game. Um, and, but that, that, that is a trade-off and, and I do like that most games are giving the option where they'll crank up visual settings and cap it to 30 frames per second. And then they'll, they'll pair some stuff back for 60 frames per second. So options are great. And PC gamers obviously are aware of options because you get to customize to the T exactly what visual settings you care about, um, and what frame rate you want to play at. Um, so that's good. And some, some games do a great job with those options. Elden Ring is not that. <laughs> Rip in peace. So then here's my, my bigger criticism. And it's going to talk about game critics and game scoring. So I think Oliver and I both agree that using number systems to rate games is inherently it's the best flawed. Way. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> the the best way to to rate game. Um, it's it's interesting because we have this availability and recency bias of the 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 games that get marketed the most are the ones we're most interested in, and typically there's going to be some base level of quality that these games are. So the games that we're seeing scores for because we care about them are typically going to be rated seven plus is a pretty fair argument. If something is below that, that's kind of like a, whoa, like that's crazy. Um, but in reality, no man's guy. <laughs> there's, there are quite a few games that 
I've actually looked at distributions of like Metacritic scores and stuff like that. And it's actually a pretty nice bell curve. Um, and so it, it's just that typically the games that are getting lower scores are not the ones that are marketed super hard, not these super triple A budget, high levels of experience and polish development studios. Um, so it, it does lend us to believe that game critics only give like seven to 10. But that's that's not the criticism of why I think numbers are bad. I think numbers imply some level of objectivity to the discussion, which I think is just inherently broken. I mean, game games at at their core are still art. Like, and I know movies get rated with stars and fucking thumbs ups and whatever other quantifier you want to give it um it's all effectively the same thing with numbers um but i i think that's and, and this is where i'm criticizing the system too i want to be clear not the critics themselves if you want to be a video game journalist or a movie journalist something like that you have to operate in the system that's out there for people to even care what you have to say. Um, so because everyone gives numbers and gives ratings, people want to know what your number is and what your rating is. So you just, you kind of have to play in that system, but I, I don't think it's a, it's a valid system. What, what I'm hoping that we're achieving with our podcast, even though we're obviously not trying to like reach thousands of people or more with the podcast is, is having a deeper discussion about like what aspects of the game do we resonate with? Why do we like them as individuals? Obviously we just saw Oliver doesn't care nearly as much about 60 frames per second as I do. Um, and that would potentially affect the scores we would give to games. Um, but if you understand the reasoning behind what we value um, and the things we like about the game and things we dislike about the game, I think that's a more valid conversation. It's, Again, it's unrealistic to think that everyone would sit down and listen to an hour discussion of games by every critic to get a real sense of what games are. Um, so maybe what I'm trying to say is if you see a game score and you disagree with that person, who cares? <laughs> like Those are two fully different arguments. <laughs> <laughs> It's so so what is coming let, let me let me give a little more context and background. So people who are fans of the Horizon series are really butthurt because the first Horizon Zero Dawn came out right around the same time as Breath of the Wild. And so all the conversation was around Breath of the Wild in like the main like video game circles, not Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, Horizon Forbidden West comes out, and guess what comes out at the same time? Elden Ring. The greatest game of all time. <laughs> I mean, Elden Ring is will very likely win Game of the Year um, at the Video Game Awards and most publications this year. And so people are really upset um, by that. Uh, Elden Ring is, it was at like a 98, 97. It's like incredibly high in Metacritic. Horizon Forbidden West is at an 88. Um, if we're talking racing games, Forza Horizon 5 is at a 92 on Metacritic. Gran Turismo 7 is at an 88. So here, here's the second problem I have is when people are assigning a score to a game, they have to in some way think about what the game will look like in the future because they don't have the time and the effort to go back and adjust their scores constantly as things improve and change. 
And the reason I say that is Horizon or Forza Horizon 5, <laughs> too many fucking horizons, was a legitimately broken game at launch. And it's got a 92 on Metacritic. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. Elden, it runs perfectly. It runs perfectly. Elden Ring. The performance is terrible, especially on consoles. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. Like, it, this, is, this is where I'm talking about scores kind of being weird and broken and, and why you shouldn't take them to heart and you shouldn't really care about them. Like, I, it's, it's a metric, it's whatever, but Elden Ring is objectively not a 10 out of 10 because it doesn't run well. Forza Horizon 5. <laughs> Forza Horizon 5, not a 10 out of 10 because it was broken at launch. Like, why, why are we not discussing the performance of the game when we discuss the game? Why is that not considered? And that's, that's maybe kind of another overarching question. I'm, I'm posing a lot of questions. I'm bouncing around a lot. My, my core thing is numbers are not great. Um, and two, why, why is performance not considered? Like, why, why are we ignoring performance? Why do reviews even matter? Also true. Uh, I don't Do you have anything else? I just feel like you got probably three more points here. <laughs> um, or I can go for a bit if you want, but I just, you know, you seem vexed. Oh, it, the, the numbers, I, I think they, they just fuel um, the polarizing nature of like fucking console wars and my video game is better than your video game. And how dare you, rather than talking about how, wow, how incredible is it that we got Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring? We got two fucking bomb ass games at the same time. That should be the conversation. But instead, the conversation is, oh, well, wow, Elden Ring's going to get attention because it's a really good game and no one's going to care about Horizon Forbidden West. Or, oh, Horizon Forbidden West is better for this reason than this and blah, blah, blah. So. That's my final point. Also, Doctor Who has entered the chat, and it has been a while. So welcome it's back, Doctor time. Who. Um, we, we certainly thought we got rid of you, but we did not want to get rid of you. So welcome back. We welcome you back with open arms. Um, when you use the rid of, it does sound like we want it. Maybe we should have just said we thought we lost you. Well, well Doctor Who <laughs> asked if we thought we could get rid of. Uh, okay. So. Okay. I, I got it. I got it, bro. But that, okay. that was not the intention. Um, but all right. So now, Oliver, I will let you respond to my cacophony of unorganized points. Okay. First off, I think that reviews should, I mean, you could give it like a couple of weeks, but reviews should be when the game releases. That's what it should be reviewed. Because I think that the game is not just a reflection of the game itself, but the, I think the review is also a reflection of the company and the quality of product that they're putting out. So like Cyberpunk should have gotten a zero forever. I think it should have stayed there. Another People great can example. go back and put new reviews later or revise it if they really feel passionate enough about it. But shit like that, when it comes out, if it's buggy, it should be a bad review. That just, yeah, that just I agree with that entirely. Out. Yep. Numbers, I'm actually kind of all for them. But let me tell you why. Because I agree that they're stupid. But I think that anything to get the conversation rolling is all that matters. So, And I also think that like people want a simple framework. Like, no one, like you said, no one's going to want to listen to one hour. So might as well just be like, I give this game a nine, I give this game a 10. Bam, you get the conversation started. What else is a fucking review for other than to have a conversation about a game? 
So to me, the number serving the purpose just fine. If I say Elden Ring 10 out of 10 and you're like, it's a five and it pisses you off, bam, conversation begun. The review has succeeded <laughs> in what it needs to get done. Uh, like, I agree the numbers are fucking pointless, but it gives you at least like a relative idea of like what you think of the quality and shit like that and like just the game overall. So, yeah, I already I, forgot I the third point, but the third point spot on since I forgot it. So unless you remember. Do I, do I remember your third point? <laughs> no, your third point. <laughs> I was trying to respond to your whole cacophony at once. Oh, well, I mean, I was talking about like numbers overshadowing and like people caring too much about what like reviewers think, um, but also performance issues. Like, why, why are we not? But, but oh, I think yeah, you address well, the performance issues by saying if a game has issues at launch, that should be the rating. Like, it shouldn't be like, oh, well, we're going to assume they're going to make the game better over time. Like, yeah. a lot of games launch good. Like, there are good launches with good performance. Um, that should be rewarded. Exactly. It shouldn't be like, oh, well, we'll, we'll excuse these performance issues because uh, we'll do this and that. And I, I don't know if you can, in good faith, give a game a 10 out of 10 if there's an aspect of it that's not a 10 out of 10. Like, that, a 10 out of 10 should be a very rare circumstance. And yeah. I, think, I think performance issues warrant taking taking some points away i think you could man 9.8 9.9 i mean whatever whatever your sliding scale is but a perfect score for an objectively not perfect game because performance is something we can objectively measure that's that's literally the only objective thing really you can measure in a game um everything else is subjective so the fact that that's not factored in but maybe that's why they don't factor it in they're like oh we're only measuring the subjective things in the game Ooh, also third doctor's in the house. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I think that the people already take... The thing is, is the people that... I feel like what you're referencing when you say that people get too heated about reviews, it probably already... I'm going to be stereotyping for sure here, but that doesn't... We stereotype here. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? Yeah, people, okay. <laughs> not really at all, but... The people who I feel like are going to get butthurt about a review number and start fucking going off about it are also the people who aren't going to take the time to actually read the review. Like, it's not like these people just, like, post the number and then just fucking walk away and they're like, you know what? Valid point, 10 out of 10. Prove me wrong. That's... <laughs> Hear me out. So if you actually take the time to read the review, I just feel like that, like, what the what you're referencing is just, like, non-constructive criti or, like, criticism or conversation around it, right? Like, that's your concern about this whole number system is that it's distracting from constructive conversation around it. But yeah. I just think that there's just already some or existing issues if that's how you're going to handle the whole system. But here's the thing. Are we not, by giving something a number, allowing people to not read the review? Like, if there was no number, you would have to read the review to understand what that person thought. Sure. But I think allowing someone versus how they want to handle it in a reasonable way is two different things. Like, that's just just because they can be lazy doesn't mean that it's okay for them to be lazy. It is not our job to shepherd people into appropriate behavior. It is their own job to shepherd themselves into what they find is appropriate. And that is not our decision to make. That is their decision to make. They That's get fair. to handle it however they want. So if they want to be like Elden Ring's 10 out of 10, I don't care that my 1060 can only run it at five frames per second. <laughs> then you know what? That's their choice. That's their fucking choice. 
Yeah, no, that, that's that's a fair fair argument for numbers. You have you have served numbers well, um, and I am I am happy to have had this discussion. <laughs> Amen. Um, no, that's absolutely fair. So, but so I guess maybe the biggest takeaway is we we think performance should be included yeah. in a score. I still agree with that. But like I said, that's why I don't like when all these games, like you're saying, like Forza Horizon 5 should not be in the 90s. Everything you've told me is like, uh uh-uh. Yeah. But I just don't think that, I just think there's too much, uh, maybe this is just me being pessimistic or whatever, but there's just too much schmoozery going on in the fucking industry in the first place to like, I don't think that these critics would ever fucking write a bad review about these major titles. I just think that would be critic nightmare. Hell. Yeah, it's it, even if there's no legitimate realized threat, there's kind of an implicit threat of like, wow, the, somebody, I mean, we're all human beings. If if I create something and someone says something bad about it, I am inherently going to be less inclined to like want that person to see my stuff again. Um, and I mean, granted, developers are different from the sales team, which are different from like the marketing team and whatever like they're different people like the people developing the game would love to release it when it's good quality but there are certain their businesses and there are certain deadlines and things reporting to shareholders etc etc and that's it's it's kind of a unique thing um well it's i guess not that unique the movie industry is the same way but yeah it's it's a lot of marketing stuff and they're they're trying to hype people up for a game too with a review. Um, they want to get review copies in hands, and they think that they're they've created a strong product. And yeah, and we've seen instances of people legitimately like kind of putting pressure on reviewers or saying they're going to be blacklisted um, after doing it. Like we've seen li- literal examples of that. So that is why that's a fear. And then if you see those, even if you know it's bad and company shouldn't do that, maybe you'd have recourse. You don't want to go through that or wonder if someone's going to listen to you or believe you um, going through that. It's. Uh, yeah, I bottom line, there's a lot of progress to be made. We are certainly not the people to come up with the, the correct answer for it. Oh, but. we are. Yeah. Does it fucking matter who's the right person? No, no, we're, we're all the right people. Uh, to your yeah, point, Oliver, exactly. having a discussion about it is the, the, the way forward. Um, just need to get more people involved but and the toxic people are a minority so they're and just they're very vocal if you let them be true um but yeah that's all i got um for my my assault uh, levels so with that i think we can get into uh video game soundtracks and just knock a couple out like we don't even care soundtrack speed run let's go all right, it's your week, Oliver. So it's it's your turn to go first. I know, and the plugins aren't installed, so I don't know how I'm going to edit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to figure out how to install them again. Well, I already forgot the composer for one of these games, so I'm going to just talk really slowly, real quick, while I'm. Uh... <sighs> I'm glad you bring that up because I totally remembered mine. Yeah. So okay, I'm talking about. Well, we've already talked about it, so I'm going to keep it light and easy. This is going to be like not a full meal, right? This is going to be a little appetizer, a little, <laughs> a little pre, 
<laughs> a little pre-meal snackaroonie on the discussion here. Um, but I got Dark Souls versus Dying Light. Dark Souls being composed by Matoi Sakuraba. And uh, Dying Light being composed by PB Powell, our boy. Last name? Never going to try. Too many, too many C's and Z's in direct, <laughs> direct company for me to uh, bother butchering his name. I've been thinking about this matchup in great depth and trying to figure out who's going to win because I have to choose. <laughs> and in the process of me trying to decide such information, I have come to very few conclusions. <laughs> but I will say, okay, Dark Souls definitely feels more like... First off, if you listen to the Dark Souls soundtrack, it's pretty much just all boss fights. There's not really much like area music, which is the fucking exact opposite of dying light like dying light is all about like the sun setting on Haran. you only have two hours before nighttime spooky music's coming in as fucking nightmares slowly start crawling out of the fucking woodwork um dark souls is like hey you're fighting a boss and it's probably stressful so let's have some really intense stressful music to keep your just blood fucking boiling the whole time just two totally different approaches uh i think in terms of like a skill and I don't know. They're both kind of their own thing. I think that Dark Souls just has more variety, I guess, and their music. I know we criticize Dying Light's variety, but yeah, I think yeah, Dark Souls definitely has a lot more variety. It's a lot more traditional video game soundtrack, in my opinion, because I do think that Powell keeps things really ambient for the most part, trying to set a mood with Dying Light, which I think he kills, by the way. For um, sure. And so... Yeah, I feel like, honestly, those are, like, the two... It's just... They're just too... Fu- it's a fucking apple and an orange. I just don't even know how else to compare them other than that because it's just two very different things. Given that Dark Souls is the greatest game of all time, I feel a little inclined to pick it. But I'm going with Dying Light, so... Woo! I... Don't think that's surprising, but... I don't know if I find that surprising. But I think I do. <laughs> Dark Souls, good. Gwen's music when you fight Gwen, love that. Uh, Ornstein Smo, love that. Actually, most of the boss fights, I really, I do really like the soundtrack with Dark Souls. There's a reason it's up here. But uh, yeah, I just think that like the environment and the music and everything, that's like what made Dying Light for me. Like I don't think the, the story's good. Gameplay's good. It was just, it was a vibe, for lack of better words. <laughs> and Powell hit the vibe. Dark Souls, that's pain. Not, not the same. You don't need the music for pain. Maybe you do, who knows. That's fair. Let and it, I think, I think that is kind of what it comes down to, is like, how, wh- what do we think of and remember of the soundtrack as like, it's part of the game like like there's one aspect where you think about the music independently and you think okay if i just listen to these two things outside of the game what would i say but then there's because these are video game soundtracks it's also very important how they add value to the games they're in um so yeah i think that's perfectly valid too yeah i just think yeah but the dying light without powell i think would have been not a game i would have enjoyed that much it would have been all right but i think that yeah powell did a lot to make sure Dying Light was good. Which is why I'm not that excited about Dying Light 2. <laughs> but we'll see. That that's fair. I too am not incredibly like 
like it's not like I can't wait to play Dying Light 2. Like I just I'll I'll probably play it at some point when I've got more time on my hands, but uh But it's a French dude who's the composer. And we know a lot about the French compositions. Yeah, you can't make enough music with a baguette. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Who knows? Olivier, I'm sure, is going to do a great job with it. But I think Powell nailed it on the head. And listening to his other music, like choosing him for it, I think made a lot of sense. I guess I'm not familiar with this new composer's music, but like his just like normal music is not terribly far off from like he just likes making like dark, creepy electronic music in general. So. But yeah, either way. All right. Well, there you go. Everyone dark who shits Souls. on me for Dark Souls threw it in the trash <laughs> <laughs> um all right so my games my video game soundtracks this week that i need to decide between death loop and ori and the will of the wisps Ugh. that word is always so difficult to say um the composer of death loop tom salta and uh, i've spoken about both of these games before like we have at this point on the bracket but I will give you the highlights again. Uh, the, the soundtrack for Deathloop is really good. <laughs> it's 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 one of those soundtracks that like stands alone very well and adds a lot to the music. It has this very like kind of like 50s swing kind of approaching rock and roll like a style to it. Um the the way it morphs between um like the ambient music versus entering combat is really smooth and cool. Each of the four areas has its own distinct theme. And there are four times of day in each of those areas. And those have their own themes. And there are certain bosses or characters you will encounter in those areas at different times of day. And they have their own themes that then get mirrored and mashed with other themes. And the music on its own, very good. Complimenting the game, very good. It's a really cool vibe. Like it a lot. Ori in the Will of the Wisps, Gareth Coker, and boy, oh boy, oh man, Gareth. Those of you who don't Gareth. know, Ori in the Will of the Wisps. Do you want to try and make myself say as many times as possible? Uh, was a game that changed my life. Um, changed my gaming life, changed my perspective on what I value in games, um, opened my eyes to new types of games, different types of gameplay. I really had not spent a lot of time with side-scrollers or platformers. Um, and it's it's not a side-scroller, it's 2D. Side-scrolling implies that it's like, like going in one direction, like original Mario. But this is, it's a 2D platformer action adventure. Um, and it's a fantastic game. The biomes are diverse. And really cool. And the music, again, complements each of those biomes incredibly well and just really lends uh, a sense to it. Like there's this, I've, the Luma pools, I think is what they call it. Um, and there's all these bubbles and it's these bright pinks and magentas and blues and stuff. And it's a very kind of effervescent sound to it. Um, maybe it's just the bubbles making me think of that word, but it makes me sound smart. So um, <laughs> the... I don't know, there's like a dark cave area that's not lit and stuff. And and I think, again, both of these games do a really good job of creating unique sounds for different areas. Um, so I think they both complement the game incredibly well. So for me, my decision comes down to the game soundtracks 
independent of the games. Uh, I do think one of them edges the other in how they complement the game. What are you going to say, Oliver? I see you mouth. Deathloop! <laughs> I mean, yeah, I basically said it straight up. But yeah, Deathloop, I think, is a better standalone soundtrack. Um, and it's just it's just really cool. It's funky. And it's, it's, not that, it's not the type of music you typically get in video games. I think there is some originality points. Not that the music is original, that they created music you've never heard before in your life. But I don't think there's a lot of games that kind of go for that vibe or style in soundtracks. And Ori is very much a really good orchestral, cool soundtrack. But the Deathloop one is just, it's novel for, or unique, at least for games, not necessarily new. Um, it's novel. Novels, fuck. Yeah. Uh, it stands on its own really well and it complements the game really well. And I do think Deathloop does complement a little bit better than Ori. Um, it's, I don't know. <sighs> Deathloop, be- because the, the whole vibe of the game, which is something I think it does really well, is really driven by the music um, in Deathloop. It's, it's one of those games that I, I think, similar to Dying Light, would lose a lot of value not having the soundtrack in it. Um, or having a different soundtrack in it. Not that the game isn't great without it, but the soundtrack adds a lot. And Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I think, would retain more of its value if you removed the soundtrack um, or changed the soundtrack. So from multiple facets, I guess, Deathloop absolutely decimated Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, even though, as we continue to couch, all the games in our bracket at this point have fantastic soundtracks. But He's just been destroying Ori. Over the last like month now, or I'm allowed SmackDown to grow and change my opinions and thoughts. You are. This is just like the first time I think I've seen the hype train at least like maybe lift a wheel off. You know, not full derail, (laughs) but like, (laughs) yeah, we're making a couple more stops. It's not like a direct train um, to Masterpiece Nation. Um, Makes a couple stops along the way, but tickets are still free. So many new games coming in that are just going to push it out naturally. So I know it's it, it's interesting. Like it's and this is also, I guess, going back to the job that like game critics or movie critics have to do. Like it's an inherently difficult thing to try and maintain objectivity because it's literally impossible. So you're basically just like trying to get as close to that end of the spectrum as possible. But we all as humans inherently have biases. Um, and then it's a subjective matter to begin with. Um, so, I mean, it's it's difficult to do that. And so, yeah, we've, we've got things. So when I think about Horizon Forbidden West, I know that there is a lot of recency bias that is is inherent in there um, and that I already have a strong bond with the Horizon series. So when I talk about it, I think very consciously about like what I'm saying and are the things I'm saying true, like try, trying to remove myself and remove some of those biases. And it's a hard thing to do. I still have a lot of biases in there, but biases are also okay because they make you who you are and they make you enjoy the things. I'm having a fucking great time with Horizon Forbidden West, whether it's not it's because of biases. I don't know. I'm a happy camper. So, um, yeah, it's fun. You, we, we are all enough as human beings. We all have unique perspectives. They're all valid. Just be more respectful of each other. Listen to each other. Seek to understand. And now I will stop being on a soapbox uh, preaching the good word. Preaching, brother. Preaching, brother.
But yeah, Deathloop, Dying Light, thank you. And Dark Souls and Orion the Will of Wisps, you can get the fuck out of here. Fuck them. We don't want you around here. Fuck them. Uh, you got anything else to add to our wonderful progressive conversation today, Oliver? Mm. Juicy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you to Doctor Who and the Third Doctor for stopping by. It's been a while. We missed you. Happy to have you here. Um, you can follow us on social media, Instagram. It is the only social media, but you can follow us there. Um, and uh, if you're listening on podcast services, we do record this live on YouTube. So that's how we talk with Doctor Who. You can come join us live. Hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live if you want to join us. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we have podcast services. The audio quality is a little bit better. You get a little extra intro that's not there before. Um, so, yeah, we hope you check it out. But other than that, I hope you guys are all happy and healthy. We'll catch you in the next one. Josie. Josie.